Oh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, today we talk about restoration. Sarah, Lord God has said that he desires for everyone to be saved, for everyone to come to the knowledge of him. And yet you and I also know from the Holy Scriptures that not everyone is going to be in heaven. Not everyone is going to get there. In fact, we all have sinned, haven't we? We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all need that restoration, don't we? And what does it take? What does it take for us to be restored. The fact of of the matter is, you know, Jesus said in our text for today that people that reject him reject the one who sent him. And of course, we all are familiar with the, the famous scripture that says, you know, we need Jesus. He is the only one that saves, isn't he? There is no other name given among men by which we might be saved. That is the reality that we live in. The people that reject Jesus aren't going to heaven because Jesus said, by rejecting him, you reject the true father. You fall away from the true faith. You can't get there any other way. It must be Jesus. And yet perhaps, you know, you are among those who have doubted at times. Maybe you can reflect back on a time in your life, a time maybe in your your teenage years when you rebelled against your your father, your, your mother, your Church, perhaps a a time you went off to the university and you fell among people that doubted the Lord, that uh, doubted the the reality of what he had to say. Your young uh, 20s, maybe to your early 30s even, you thought, hey, you know, the things the world has to say, those maybe made a, a lot of sense to you. Are they these ideas that you know, maybe we, we don't know and, and maybe the, the word of God isn't really true and it was just kind of crafted by some old guys sitting around to, for their own benefit? No, we have all these voices, don't we? And the fact of the matter is our, our current culture encourages us to listen to all the voices, doesn't it? In fact, you you turn on kind of any kind of secular program and and they're saying to you right now that you are prejudiced if you don't listen to all the voices. If you don't listen to that voice, you're prejudiced against that group of people that is making whatever proclamation that it makes. We had our landmark decision by the, the Supreme Court, you know, uh, just last week we were able to talk uh, about that, that uh, the 
abortion is no longer going to be federally funded. It's no longer going to be a law of the land. Rather, the individual states can now decide for themselves on the issue of abortion. Did, did you get emails about that this week? I mean, I'm, I'm not out there on the internet a, a, a lot. I don't have a lot of uh, contact with you know, different organizations. I got three emails this week asking me for money to help fight against this terrible decision that the Supreme Court made. I, I, I can't imagine what, what maybe you're getting, what, what maybe, you know, maybe you're getting phone calls. We, we saw the, the very president of our United States on the public stage overseas condemning harshly the Supreme Court. But the commander-in-chief of the United States condemning the judicial arm for a, a decision that they made. On the world stage, right? The house divided against itself cannot stand, said Abraham Lincoln. A basic principle of leadership is that you kind of try to support the other parts of your organization. You don't go out in public and just kind of blast away at different aspects. That's where we live, though, isn't it? It's where we are. And our Lord, he wants to come to us. He wants us to be restored. He wants to uh, be able to lift us up once again. And we're fighting against all these forces. What does it take to be restored? What does it take? Well, first of all, we have to be able to acknowledge that the person needs restoration, don't we? I mean, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, the, the pastor didn't even need to talk about this aspect because society was kind of based upon that word of God and people were reading the word of God and they could look out on their world and they could see when someone was going astray and they knew the difference between right and wrong but in our present day, you know, we, we kind of have to talk about that. In order to restore someone, you have to actually know that they need restoration. Okay, how, how can you know? Well, it's that word of God, isn't it? is that you and I would study that word of God so we would again understand the difference between right and wrong. And that standard is God's word. The, the standard isn't, isn't simply the, the word of an elected official. Right? Yeah, there's a, again, a lot of people in our nation, they say, oh, you know, this is a democracy. And, you know, if the majority of the people want to go in that direction, right, that, that's what we should do. But that's never the standard, is it? Because then the, the standard changes from place to place, from decade to decade. Then you can say, oh, you know, my mom and dad didn't like that, but hey, it's today. 
right? The standard needs to be the standard, doesn't it? And that is the very word of God. It's what God told us. Now, God comes and he says, look, this is wrong. Right? Stealing is wrong. I, I don't care if half the people in your nation think stealing should be okay. Stealing is wrong. Right? Adultery is wrong. I, I don't care if 75% of your people want to vote that adultery should be accepted. It's still wrong, you see. And, and we go down the list then, don't we? What does God say? What is in his word? And then you and I are able to go out into the world and say, hey, that person needs restoration. Again, the, the world hits us with, with all this garbage today, don't they? Where, where they say, oh, you're just being prejudiced. See? Yeah, you need to get with the times. See? When you look at that group of people over there, oh, you have feelings inside that say, oh, and you're the one that needs to deal with those feelings. No, you, you and I, if we're looking at a sin from God's perspective, we just say, no, that's disgusting. No, that, that's black. That's a vile. And society says, oh, you're messed up. Oh, you need to go get treatment. We need to do something about this problem. Have, have all these people running around judging other people. Oh, my, judging. Don't be judging. Hear all that stuff. You know, the, the Lord God speaking in a specific situation said, judge not lest ye be judged. And what was he talking about? You kind of remember it was judging based on people's appearance. See? That, that, that person, that, you know, that, that pastor, he's not wearing black, shiny Shoes. Oh, wait, I, I am. I'm wearing my black shiny shoes today. I'm okay. But see, G Jesus was saying, you know, someone comes into your church and they're dressed in fine clothes and, and you treat them really well and you say, here, have the best seat and, and here we'll make sure you're first in line for coffee afterward. Another person comes into the, the church and they're dressed kind of uh, poor and their their clothes are kind of shabby and things are kind of torn up and, and, and they come in and they say, oh, well, hey, maybe you can stand in the back and, 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 and hey, why don't you go set up some chairs so the rich guy can have a seat? See, Jesus uh, addressing that kind of specific behavior came and he said, judge not lest ye be Judged, and everyone kind of clings to that part, and they say, Oh, hey, whatever I do, nobody can judge me because Jesus said, Hey, don't judge. But another place in the scripture, Jesus said, Judge with a righteous judgment. And there he was referring to moral activity. In that place, Jesus is saying, you know what, if someone is doing immoral things, you know, make sure you got the story right and then judge righteously. 
Because why? Because if we are never judged, we don't need to be restored, do we? You see, you don't need to be restored if you never did anything wrong. You don't need to be restored if everything is okay. You don't need to be restored if other people are just being prejudiced against my behavior. And Jesus wants us to be restored. I think you here today, you, you probably got that. You probably understand that. You say, well, you know, Pastor, you just spent five minutes talking about I get it. But we have friends and neighbors that don't get it, don't we? Well, we, we, we have society saying, you know, those terrible Christians gathered together on Sunday morning so they can be judgy. And, and they're the problem in society. And what we have to do is kind of get rid of the churches and get rid of Christians. And then we can all just kind of live happily ever after. But they're missing that main point. You can't be restored if you can't acknowledge your sin. You can't be restored if you never have done anything wrong. You can't get it back together if you never lost it, right? So that's the first step. That I come face to face with that word of God. That I come to understand that Jesus, my Savior, out of his love for me, has issued these commands. He tells me how I ought to live my life. And I then began to have a desire to do that. And then when that realization comes upon me, I'm able to reflect down the years of my life. And I'm able to say, wow, you know, when, when, when I was five, and I, I walked in that department store and I, 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 I stole that, that, you know, little gun from that figure and stuck it in my pocket because I thought it was cool. That was a sin. See? It wasn't just a five-year-old being a five-year-old. And it wasn't just that the socioeconomic base of our economy is corrupt and so people ought to be able to do things like that. It was rather a sin thing. <clears throat> and so going down the course of time, you begin to review your life and you say, you know what, when I did that thing, it was a sin. And when, when I did that other thing, it was a sin. And when I, I did that, that one thing, it was a grievous sin. I, I have sinned. I need restoration. And it comes from that foundation of God's word, doesn't it? I have that word of God. I began to compare my life to that word of God. I trust that that word of God really came from God. Not just created by, you know, some old timers that wanted to benefit themselves. It really is God's word. And then we begin to live by it, don't we? 
But yeah, we, we live, again, in a, a society where, you know, people kind of have that conclusion that if, if you just kind of treat other people well, <coughs> if you, you just give them praise, and you just tell them it's okay, and, you know, people are basically good, and if you, you just kind of have, you know, good things to say about them, they're going to go out and, 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 you know, they're okay. And so you, you, you have people that think, think that they're okay. And instead of fighting for, for Christ and the rights of Christians, they're, they're fighting for animals, you know, and the rights of animals. And say, oh, you know, little Johnny has such a, a, a good heart. You know, look, look how he, he's out there, uh, you know, fighting for animal rights. <coughs> such a good guy. Okay, well, you know, according to society, maybe he is a good guy. You know, according to society, maybe he has a, 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 a good heart. But in the end, at the final judgment, right, what is going to matter is that you won others for Jesus rather than you serve a social system. It's not really going to matter how caring you were about the environment if your neighbors were lost because you never could gather the courage to tell them about Jesus. It's not going to matter how many animals you save if none of your neighbors made it to heaven because you never took the action. Is see, what is the most important? The most important is that we have Jesus. And if we have Jesus, we have God who sent him. And we have Jesus and we have God who sent him, right? We're promised the Holy Spirit to walk with us every single day to guide us in our decisions. Now, flowing out from that, then you might come to the, the scripture verse that says, you know, the righteous man has regard for his beast. Right? So flowing from your Christian experience, then there might come a time when you're looking out for animals. Yeah. But see, if we take the animal rights thing and we put it up at the top of the pyramid, we just have sinful, ruined human beings that don't understand that they need repentance. They don't understand that they need to be restored. And they're just kind of out there looking out for animals' rights. And at the end of time, nobody is going to care that much because they didn't help anyone get into heaven. We have to put the first thing first, don't we? Jesus says that the first thing is you acknowledge him. You acknowledge that Jesus is your savior. You begin to go to him for direction in your life. You begin to seek him out. Right? Jesus says, if you put me first, all these things will be added unto you. 
If you put Jesus first, then you will have life. If you put him first, then you will have opportunities to witness. If you put him first, then you will have the opportunity to make a difference. And again, coming full circle, how do we do that? We do it by understanding we need that redemption. We do it by understanding we need that restoration. Now, how can I get restored? I acknowledge my sin. I fall on my knees before my Savior. I seek his face once again. I ask him for his great forgiveness. I understand in my own mind I have to start doing things his way. I need to come back. I need that grace. Now, closing to today, dear friends, we come perhaps to one of the, the most important points, and, and that is that the restoration should be done in a kindly way, shouldn't it? And again, that was part of our text for today. How do you restore someone, right? When the, the, the movie industry, right, what, what's the first step? They, they get a beat down, don't they? Yeah, that person, they, they were doing wrong and we're going to like physically injure them to a great extent so they really have an understanding that they were in the wrong. Right? And, 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 and face it, guys, you know, those are some of our favorite action movies, aren't they? That guy did wrong, and he's going to get a beat down. That's what's going to happen. He needs it. He deserves it. We like those. Right? Just, just being honest. We like them. Our Lord, he comes to us today, and, and he says, you know what? When you're going to restore someone, restore that person with You know, when you see that someone is doing wrong, you know, you need to be able to go to them in a spirit of love. You need to be able to, you know, lift them up once again. There, there's other scriptures that tell us about how, you know, careful that we need to be. When, when you're kind of reaching into the pit of sin to try to draw someone out once again, you know, the scripture says, hey, you know, make sure your own garment doesn't get soiled when you're doing that. You know, be careful because, uh, you know, what happens, you, you enter into the world, right, to do it most often. And the voices of the world are all around you. And the voices are, are saying, oh, that person is just fine there in that pit of slime. In fact, what, what is wrong with you thinking that, that slime is bad? Maybe slime is okay and you just don't get it. Come on. Who are you to judge that, that you know, laying in slime is terrible? But come on. Right? The voices are saying that. And the, the Bible says, you know, be careful you don't soil your own garment. 
You know, you want to go to that person. You want to go to that person in love. You, you want to be careful with them. But you yourself, you don't want to get drug into that. You don't want to get drug into that lifestyle. You don't want to get drug into that place where it all, oh, maybe it's not so bad. Because then your testimony gets compromised, doesn't it? You see, you, you kind of grow up and, and you say, well, you know, maybe the, the voices of the world, maybe I don't want to be in conflict with them. And, and, you know, maybe they make some good points. And then comes the next generation. Or see, your mama and your daddy, they knew right from wrong and they raised you to be a good a Christian. They raised you in the, the what we call the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But then if you get compromised and, and you said, well, you know, maybe the world makes some good points and maybe I'm not going to talk to my kids about that, that topic. Well, well, guess what? The schools are talking about that topic and the schools are, are saying, hey, that's okay. Well, it's just fine. Oh, that people just kind of live how they want. And you didn't say anything to your son or daughter about it. Well, guess what? Now your son or daughter got compromised. They didn't speak to their children. See? Now your grandson, your granddaughter, they got together with a, 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 another little guy or gal and, and you know, they, they set up their home and, and they're raising their children and suddenly they're teaching their children what they learn from the school system instead of what you learn from your mom and dad. And all of a sudden you're looking at the two generations down the road where all kinds of weird corruptions have crept in and you're scratching your head and you're saying, I, I don't understand what happened. My mom and dad raised me right. I, I tried to raise my son and daughter right. I, I don't know what happened. Well, what happened is you stopped naming sin. You stopped saying that thing is wrong. Because God says it's wrong. You stop saying, oh, those people are in the, the slime and we have to help them out. And instead you say, well, that's not really slime and it, it, maybe it's okay. And if some people want to live in, in slime, we just call them slime dwellers. But we change the, the terms now because, you know, we have to have different terms to, to talk about it. And slime sounds kind of bad. And so, um, you know, the, the, those are... Um, you, you know, um, uh, uh, I don't know, but it's okay. Now we have to have that first step, don't we? If you're going to go and restore someone, you first have to understand they need restoration. The thing they're doing is wrong. And then sure, the second thing you need to understand is you're supposed to do it with kindness. Because you, you care about that person. Because you, you have some love in your heart for that person. You want to help that person get up out of the pit once again. Hey, I'm going to be careful and I, I don't want to get my garment soiled. 
but they need some help. And I'm, I'm going to help them. And what is it based on? It's based upon that word of God. It's based upon the fact that we know Jesus, the Savior. And it all comes together, doesn't it? If I know Jesus, I know the one who sent him. I'm in touch with the true God. And if I know Jesus, I have the gift of his Holy Spirit to help me and guide me as I go through my life. If I have Jesus, I then can kind of comprehend when people are going astray. I understand that right and wrong foundation so I can reach out to those in need of help. And when I know Jesus, the Bible says, I have the power to help them. You have the power. You can do it. The things that you try to accomplish in the realm of God will come to fruition. It could take time, couldn't it? You know, sometimes I'm, I'm able to talk with people and they, they tell me about how, you know, for maybe 20 years that they had to pray. Maybe for 30 years. Mothers and, and fathers that have gone through great turmoil with their children. You know, they say from the age of 16, you know, little Johnny rebelled and he, he went through this and he went through that and he traveled this sinful path and that sinful uh, path and all those years in his saintly mom was praying for him that he would be restored and you know maybe for some of these people with incredible faith it took 20 30 years till they finally got the victory till little Johnny finally understood he had sinned. He had fallen short. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't have the Holy Spirit. And then it finally happened. And those are times of great praise and joy, aren't they? Your prayers are finally answered. The person's destiny finally alters the course because of your patience and your love and your fortitude, the change happened. And dear friends, that's where our hearts should be for everyone, shouldn't it? That we would have great enough love that we would love people as Jesus would have us love them. You know, maybe you've seen the, the new phrase where they've altered the golden rule, right? Uh, they're coming out now and they're saying, you ought to love people as they want you to love them. 
Well, that puts it all on the sinful person, right? The sinful person lost in their sin wants you to just accept them the way they are. They don't want to change. They don't want to repent. Love people the way that they want you to love them. Oh, it sounds so nice. But you see, if I'm, you know, strung out on, on the drugs, right? I, I'd kind of like you to give me some drugs. If I'm lost in sexual sin, I kind of would like you to make that more permissible for me to be able to do the things I want to do. Right? Love me the way that I want you to love me. No, it doesn't work. We need to love people the way that God wants us to love them. And that means that we see that they need restoration. We see that they're in sin. We go to them with the cure. Jesus the Savior. We look upon them in their affliction and we lift them up again. We help them. We do the things they need, not just the things they want. That's where we need to be. And dear friends, we can be there because Jesus loved us. First, didn't he? He loved us so much that he sent himself, right? His father said, go, and he said, I'm going. God says, I'm assigning you the most difficult mission imaginable. You're going to go down to the earth. You're going to take on human form. You're going to be born as a little baby that's helpless. You're, you're going to have to grow up in a society that doesn't necessarily love me. You're going to have to gather some disciples. One of them is going to betray you. When you return to your hometown, people are going to try to throw you off a cliff head first. People are going to try to throw rocks at you and get rid of you, and they're finally going to crucify you. And because you're in a human body and you're experiencing everything as a, a, a true man, it's going to hurt. And I want you to do that so you can open the way to heaven for all who believe. And, and Jesus said, I'm all in. My bags are packed. I'm ready to go. He loved you that much. He knew what the future held and he went willingly. He did it anyway. He did it you. He did it for me. He did it for everyone who would come to acknowledge his name. What great manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.